0: a highly profitable real estate machine with explosive exponential growth that works harder for you than you work for it while living a life by design breakthroughs are all around you but you don't see them until now join jason williford here at the ultimate real estate machine as he converses with highly respected and world-renowned experts from inside and outside the real estate industry You'll discover proven business, marketing, and sales strategies that transform you into the most trusted, dominant, and influential expert in your market, the preeminent agent. Each episode brings you one step closer to the highly profitable and fulfilling real estate business that you've been longing for. Here's your host, Jason Williford.
1: I'll go ahead and, uh, let Nate, uh, tell, uh, tell us about yourself and your business that you have there, Nate.
2: Okay. You bet, man. That, that's always, uh, like where to start. Right. But, um, I'll, I'll start early on. I was always, so I remember, I don't know if you guys remember like being in school, you'd get called out of class and, tell you to go to the auditorium. And I was like, yes, we got it. There's a speaker in town, right? And uh, so I'd always get to, you get to go and you're out of class and you get to see these people that they go around the country and they speak and they talk to people and they inspire and they motivate and share their stories. And I always just thought that was a coolest saying. I remember I still remember those people to to this day. And I think there's a small part of that that kind of implanted in me of, man, what would it be like to be able to go and do something like that? And so, um, you know, I've always been. Uh, uh gravitated towards leadership positions, was a teacher, I have a teaching degree, uh, was a coach in high school and college athletics, became an officer in the Army, uh, was a serial entrepreneur for many years, CrossFit gym, insurance brokerage. Um, investment properties across the country. And uh, some of that I still do. And, and ultimately, that really led me to what I do today as a coach. I work with entrepreneurs and business owners. I, do, uh, I speak. I'm a professional speaker. And I run some cool, crazy experiences uh, on leadership. And indeed he does. And Jason's familiar
1: with a little bit. Of that. <laughs> yes, and um and that's one thing I wanted to uh dig into a little bit is uh where I first met Nate at was at an immersion experience in um, Orange County, California. Uh, how many days was that event Nate? I, I can't remember it was 3 four, or 4, four, days. four yeah. days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you kind of lose track of time. Uh but uh the breakthroughs that I had mentally even though it's a very physical event And for lack of better analogies, I like to uh, call it like a semi, it's like a simulated Navy SEAL boot camp in a way. Uh, So it's a very physical event. uh, uh, But the mental breakthroughs that it trains your brain uh, to have those breakthroughs is very amazing uh, because I still have them now. Uh, The breakthroughs, the mental models that like when I'm uh, under the gun and I'm under stress where I used to, you know, have faster knee-jerk reactions, and uh, uh, it may, even when I am in a rush, hey, uh, slow, uh, uh, what what is that saying, uh, that military saying? Slow Slow is fast. fast. what, What is it? Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Uh, just collecting yourself and, uh, you know, details is, uh, details matter is one of the things that, uh, ring to mind of that event. Another one, a mental model I have is all in and could, uh, without. Stealing the thunder of one of your events, because uh, I, I really do hope that uh, everyone on this call uh, would attend your event because it's life changing, not just to not uh, not just to your business but to you personally and uh the we talk about uh the will of life and the all of the eight spokes uh to the will of life uh uh that's honestly what you know Nate's events help out with and just for clarity no I didn't have this uh this zoom call uh to have a sales pitch on Nate's events <laughs> yes, right uh, but I do uh uh, you know it was profound to me. Um, I was there for four days. Can you tell them a little about a bit about what all in is about and how we had to learn about all in if yeah, you're all in or you 're not
2: yeah absolutely i mean that 's many people think they 're all in in life right and it 's very clear very quickly, especially that 's part of the reason we do all these physical evolutions at the beach or because when, you, when you're tired physically and when you're stressed physically, we're going to see who you truly are, right? We're going to see who you truly show up as when you're home and things are hard and stress and pressure is, is high because we all have stress and pressure in our life. And so there's a lot of times where we think we're all in, but we're really truly not. And sometimes it, it takes someone like myself to actually point that out to people. And it's a hard pill for many to swallow. But when they realize that you know we're really just there to help you to to help you see some things that you're not seeing yourself and your eyes can get open to that and if you're open to that possibility and that new perspective then it's a big shift and big momentum similar to what I kind of think I I'm hearing you say Jason that like your eyes were open to that man I thought I was all in but I really wasn't so there's a good story that I could tell real quick that I think you know when you talk about commitment I to me that's like either you're all in or you're not you're either committed or you're not and there's there's a saying that goes be, be is so committed that you would move a mountain with a shovel if that was what's required, right? And that's always sounded like an incredibly cool story and saying, but is anyone really going to move a mountain with a shovel? And there is actually a story of a man in India back in the sixties that his, they lived in this remote village and there was this, this small mountain in between them and, and like a hospital and kind of like civilization, right? Direct line. If he was able to go through the mountain, it was about a kilometer. <laughs> um just under a mile, right? But the road to get there was actually 70 kilometers around this mountain. And his wife needed care and wasn't able to get there um as fast as they would like. And he was like, I'm never gonna let that happen again. And so he would work in the fields. He sell he sold his three family goats. This is a true story. And uh, so that he could buy a hammer, a pick, and an axe. And he literally would work in the fields all day to provide for his family. He'd come home in the evenings and he started to like literally with a shovel and a ha- hammer and a pick. Built a road. It took him twenty-two years to build this road through. The walls were twenty-five to thirty feet high. And but he he was committed. He was all in. Like that's what all in is. And he 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 built this road so that not only his wife could get that care, but if anyone else ever needed, you know, this emergency care, they would be able to go and get it in the time that they needed. So that's what we talk about when we talk about all in.
1: Um, And I think it ties in because another mental model that I even thought of while I was at your event was uh, David Goggins says that when you think you're at 100 percent capacity. You're not. You're yeah. really at 40 percent. And yeah. that was just a, a big a mindset shift for me, even while I was doing your event uh that, hey, you are at 100 percent. You're at 40 percent. Just being there's a lot more left within you that you have to give.
2: Yeah, we tend to as human beings, we tend to uh, put some some limits or some governors on ourselves. Right. And um 75, 80, even maybe 90% of the time, it compared to everyone else around you, right? If you if you're a high producing person compared to everyone around you, it could it can, it looks and the perception is that you are giving everything that you have, but you really aren't just because, like, you're that much further ahead of the game than everyone else. But, yeah, the Navy SEALs, David Goggins, it's so true. You can do, you know, when you think you, you've given everything you have, you're really truly at 40%. We can always give a little bit more. We can always dig a little bit deeper. Um, you know, it's like the analogy of if, you're, if your son or your daughter is drowning in the lake, but you're exhausted, like you and you feel like you just don't have anything in you to go any further, you're going to find something to go in to save your child from, from the, from drowning in the water, right? Like, you're just going to go do it. And uh, that's kind of that, that mentality or that concept. Um,
1: I, I've told very few people this, and this will uh, take this out of, I don't want this on the show, uh, but I did want to bring it up for you guys. Uh, when I was in Puerto Rico, uh, I saved a little boy from drowning. Um, and uh, we were, and it's a, a friend of mine that I won't name a name, uh, but the, the boy was out in the ocean. He was out farther than he th- thought. There was Undertow, uh, uh, there and, uh, the, uh, the Undertow was there. He was used to swimming in lakes and stuff. He was, uh, he's a young boy and was out there by himself. Uh, 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 but I was out there and, uh, Well, I'm not going to, I had to go pee is what I had to do. (laughs) But anyway, uh, uh, but, but there was a reason I had to, I I had to be there for a minute. And at that point in mind, uh, that point of time, um, I thought to myself this could be it because if I have to I am going to sacrifice myself uh if I can save that little boy uh I threw the drink I had uh we had a there's a beach party there that day and uh just threw the the drink and I said uh, uh I said to myself hey this could could be it because I'm going to sacrifice myself for him and uh that's one thing that I want to applaud even going back to uh, what your immersion uh done to me. I don't know if I would have had that mental model if I wouldn't have went through your event.
2: Oh, yeah, that's a crazy story. But yeah, that's you know, we will we will dig deep, we'll find, we'll do whatever it takes in those moments to go and uh do what's required.
1: Yeah. Uh, what would you say? And we'll start out on the self leadership piece because we're all leaders and we all have to be leaders. Uh, whether, you know, whether it's your goal, uh, to say an independent agent and you don't want to have a team, uh, you still have to lead yourself. You still have to lead your family, uh, your kids, your husband, your wife, uh, uh, your spirit, your own spirituality, your own self. Um, and even if you're, uh, your goal is to be an independent agent and not have a team under you, you still have a team because there's only so much that you can do, even if you're outsourcing, uh, you know, executive admins and uh, uh, marketing specialists and, you know, this and that, you always will have a team or You're going to be stuck right where you're at. Uh, So, what I wanted to get into is what are some qualities uh, of self leadership that we can learn uh, to be more leaders within our own minds? That way we can lead by example with others.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, first off, yeah, whether you have a team or you don't have a team, like we, hopefully, you all. We all recognize that we are all leaders, right? We're all leaders in some capacity in our life. Um, if, if from the solo entrepreneur all the, on the way all the way up to the person with the big team, right? The solo entrepreneur, you're leading your clients on a daily basis, right? You're lead the way that you no. lead yourself in your community is going to be something that people are watching and taking notes of, and and is going to be a dis- deciding factor. And, how fast you can and how successfully you, you will grow your business, you know, just talking from the business side of things. But I, yeah, it absolutely 100% does start with us. Um, I think there's, a, it's also important to record because we're always, we're all, you wouldn't be here inside of this call inside of the show if you didn't want to become better, if you didn't want to improve, if you didn't want to scale your business and, and, uh, you know, create the lifestyle that you have in your mind that you want to create for yourself, have the success that you want to have for yourself, have the impact that you want to have. And, and we do need to start uh, with ourselves and, um, you know, in order to go and to carry that over into how we lead others. Right. But the other piece to that is just to recognize that, like, Because sometimes the voices are strong inside of our head, like asking ourselves who the heck we think we are. Like, man, I can't do this, or or you get overwhelmed, and you got pressure and stress from all other areas, whether it's two kids, a spouse, or or what what else is going on, or or some catastrophe happens, or you know something happens to someone that's close to you. Right? Those are all things that happen in life, and as I call it, championship leaders are the ones that are able to respond to that powerfully and not get thrown off by that because they know that's just a part of the journey. So the more that we can lead ourselves consistently every single day, the more we will be uh, prepared and uh, and and ready to handle those situations and to be able to continue to also um, produce in whatever arena that we're in um, moving forward. So a big thing for me, I think, is consistency when it comes down to yourself. We all know what we should be doing, whether it's in our, you know, our fitness, our family, our finances or our faith. Right. Those are kind of my, the big four quadrants that I look at and live by. And um, everyone knows that we should take care of everybody and we should work out. Everyone knows what we should and probably shouldn't be putting inside of our body. Um, everyone you know, knows that it all comes down to people and relationships. And so how are you showing up? Uh, if you're not showing up all for, for yourself on a consistent basis, taking whether that's meditation, mm. whether that's daily study, whether that's your sleep, like all of that affects how you show up and who you show up as uh, when you're in Interactions with people, whether it's under your own roof or whether it's out in the community inside of your business, and so I think a big piece of that comes down to consistency. Like you know, start from where you're at. Number one, don't beat yourself up for where you're at because you you're here, right? Wherever you are, right here, right now, is is where you are based on what, whatever decisions you made leading up to that point. It doesn't mean that that's who you need to continue to be. And if there's some areas of improvement. We just got to take little steps every single day and be consistent over a long period of time. And if we do that over a long period of time, eventually we'll look back and be like, wow, I have I've like, Hey, I've came a long way. I've, I've, you know, I'm not the same person I am today that I was six months ago and, and, uh, through consistent daily action. So, I mean, really that simple, uh, there is no magic pill. And sometimes we're looking for a, a much more, uh, uh, much more incredible uh answer than that right but it really is does come down to the basics it comes down to you know i'm a green bay packer fan and uh the special teams has not been a very good part of their team this year and the the special teams coach was just talking about how the guys on the special teams need to get uh really good at the boring right they got to get a lot better at the boring and that's really what I'm talking about, is you know being a master of your of the mundane, the, just doing the daily things that you know are going to improve yourself. Because when you show up that way, people are taking notice. Like our kids are watching us way more than their uh, what we do than what we we say, right? So they're watching us and taking notes on what we're doing every single day, and whether that lines up with what we say. So, um, and that's just all really. If if you really want to boil it down to one. Simple thing would be consistency every single day.
3: Your last event was in Cancun, or Mexico, or or was it somewhere out of the? I country. was in
2: Cancun for for an event. Um, that wasn't. I was speaking at that event. Um, I just did an event in Nashville. That was my event in December. Okay. Yeah.
3: Good for you. What was that about? Is it always the same topic?
2: Um, for the most part, yeah. I was 12 business owners, entrepreneurs that came through, and it's a lot of leadership, a lot of uh, getting clear on uh, what they're doing, teamwork, things like that. We do some of the physical stuff. We do a little bit of a uh, fire walk, kind of help them bust through some personal, you know, limits that they placed on themselves, make it a cool experience. Um, so, yeah, it's four days as well and a pretty awesome event. Great group.
4: Oh. Well. How often are you going out? Nate? What's that? How often are you going out
2: to Nashville?
4: Well, just to your events. Are they all in Nashville or oh.
2: so? The, yeah, that one is in typically in Nashville. I've done it in a few other places, but that's about every three or four months, three or four times a year. And then I have a 24 hour event. We got one coming up in New York in uh, April.
4: New so, York in April, that'll be fun.
2: Yeah. that one's a little bit more intense just because it's 24 hours straight through. So uh, it's a long day.
4: So I have a question. I have a question for you. You mentioned like action plans. Do you suggest that people do those like, um, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly? Like what, what do you do when you're rolling out those different scenarios and trying to get things in place?
2: Yeah. I usually have people, you know, I kind of, Stephen Covey, right? Start with the end in mind. What's the big vision? Where do you wanna be? Where do you wanna go? Mm -hmm. What do you wanna do? Dream dream big, really like think about what you want your life to be, whether that's ten years, five years from now, usually start around five years and just have them start to really dump. Like if 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 anything was possible, because it really is, right? Like if anything was possible and you could create it in the next five years. Uh, What would that be? What would that look like? And then we kind of break it, come back to about 12 months. You know, what do you want to create in the next year? And then from there, um, we'll create a 90-day roadmap and with with 30-day benchmarks because you always want to have something to measure against to make sure that you're on track. Mm -hmm. And then from there, yeah, every day I'm doing a daily plan, and every week I'm I'm reflecting on my week. I'm assessing how the week went. Because you're always got to make tweaks and, and adjustments, right? And sometimes you're going to hit the outcomes and the goals faster than 90 days. Maybe that means the goal wasn't big enough, or maybe it means you just kicked ass. Um, And that's awesome no matter what. And then uh you just kind of reset every 90 days. And, you know, it's important to take some time to reflect, though, too. I think especially all you guys in this room, including myself, you're out, you're pushing, you're moving fast, you're accomplishing a lot of great things. And sometimes if we don't take time to really celebrate that and appreciate the, the growth and the progress you've made, you take it for granted. Or sometimes what can happen is you'll, it doesn't feel like you're really accomplishing anything because you're not taking time to acknowledge it. Right. So that's important to every 90 days. Just just um, I really kind of force. The clients that I work with to take take a little
1: time to step back, celebrate, and just, like reset,
4: yeah. yeah.
1: Which I'm horrible about that. Yeah, we are. Uh, we all, all should that. be doing that. Yeah. I agree. Hey, what would you say are uh, great qualities of a great leader? Going into uh, them leading a team, uh, uh, what are great qualities uh, for them to have and to keep on refining and getting better at uh, to become a great leader within their organization?
2: Man, I, I mean, I, I write about this every day, um, but, you know, I have a, ch- a podcast called Championship Leadership. I've had some really uh, awesome, incredible guests on. Um, I've done over 300 episodes. And one of the first questions I always ask everyone is, you know, championship leadership is the name of the podcast. And I ask them how they define championship leadership. And I've heard a million different answers, right? Like every time it's different. Um, but to me, there's all kinds of characteristics and traits that make great leaders. Uh, number one, I guess I would say, because we're all different. We all have our own personalities. Is Championship leadership isn't trying to lead uh, like somebody else, right? Like, uh, I'm a sports guy, again, so if I could pick, like, John Wooden or someone that's really has we, had a lot of great
1: used, stuff. Um, and I'm a huge Georgia Bulldogs fan. My have <laughs> won the national <laughs> championship. Yeah. Uh, but we, um, we talked about the podcast episode, uh, Nate and I recorded the other day. Uh, we spoke about Nick Saban. Nick which, Saban uh, like Nate him Marta. or not, uh, an extraordinary leader that uh, has done amazing things that uh, nobody's ever won as many national championships as he has. And, you know, modeling, I think it comes down to modeling and what does Nick Saban do, uh, that even the great don't do what does the excellent yeah. what does greatness do that uh yeah. just great doesn't do? What would yeah. you say? Yeah, I would
2: say, um, number one, it's it is good to emulate other championship leaders, right? So that's kind of what we're talking about. Like you can take bits and pieces from others and it kind of mold that into who you are as a leader, but when I really boil it down, it comes down to just a few things. Um, a uh, great leader has the ability to pull more out of others than they would themselves individually, right? Does that make sense? So you're going to get more out of the people inside of your team because of the leadership and, and how you lead and how you inspire and motivate others uh, than they would if they were just home alone doing the work themselves, right? So that's a big one. And then the others is... Uh, I'm a big guy on like ownership and, and responsibility. You know, when the teams win, in, when the organization is, is going smooth and well, a great leader will 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 push out that that recognition and uh, that success to those around them, knowing that they're not the ones that got them there themselves. Right. So they're going to they're going to push out the praise to everyone else, almost to the point of like deflecting it totally from themselves. And not that they shouldn't, you know, ha- get some of the uh, acknowledgement for the success of the team. And then, you know, when times are tough and when things aren't going exactly right or if your team in, in, in sports loses the Super Bowl, uh, taking 100 percent accountability and responsibility for ownership, ownership of the lack of results. So those, yeah. those are big ones. You know, leadership is really in a way it's lonely meaning there's a, it's a big burden and a weight that you carry, but you do it willingly because you, you want to want to lead. And leadership is all about others and not about ourselves, right? It's, it's all about people and not our own agendas. I don't think great leaders go, they can have, they can have short-term success, but I don't think they have long-term success if they're just in it for themselves.
1: Uh, you mentioned the lonely piece of it that, uh, Hey, it's uh It can be lonely being a leader. Can you unpack that a little bit more for us? Yeah, absolutely. I think that goes back
2: to, again, uh, when things are going well, I'm going to lift everyone else up around and acknowledge them for helping us to get there and and when it's not like it's it's you the, the light is solely on you and, and you're going to own it you're not going to deflect blame to others and you're going to take it fully for yourself because you, the buck stops with you essentially right so i think that's where it can get lonely now i am a big you know you might have heard some people say as the leader you shouldn't cross lines between personal and professional or whatever uh that was definitely a uh, kind of a a thing in the military and I never totally fully agreed with that, right? I wanted to create great relationships with my people so that they knew who I was and where I was coming from. And they also knew that I wouldn't ask them to do more than I was ever willing to do myself. Mm. And so I wanted to get to know them. I created relationships with them. I created friendships with them. What I was but also at the same time Mm. they needed to know that like if there was ever a line that needed to be uh, Drama in the sand, and I got it. It's time for me to put my leadership hat on that I would do that, and I would and I would do it with without hesitation. But they would also know that it wasn't personal, like we could still be friends, you know, when we go home that night and, and joke around. But when the situation calls for it, as a leader, I'm going to step up and I'm going to, and I'm going to hold that. So, if you you know it is it's a, just a fine
1: line in an organization It's a fine line it. when you uh, create uh, the friendships uh, uh, because you know some folks will if you give an inch try to take a mile and the uh, well I'm talking about deep friendships and sometimes I've experienced that in the past where uh, others can think that uh, uh, that the others are getting favoritism because they're one of Nate's buddies type thing. Uh, how, how do you handle you know things like that? Like from a cultural standpoint, that's right. Uh, yeah, you
2: just have to. That's why it's such a fine line. You you can't allow that to happen. You got to make it very clear that yeah, hey, like when I was in the, in Kuwait and I was the leader of forty two men. In this platoon, there was one soldier that was became a very close friend of mine, uh, still is to this day. And, uh, you know, we lifted, we did a lot of stuff together. Um, but, you know, if there was a hard conversation to be had, it, it was had. It wasn't hesitated on. I think if you if they start to see there's some hesitation or that there maybe is a little favoritism going on, uh, then more than likely there is, right? And so uh, um, I was very careful not to allow mm-hmm. that to happen.
1: Great point. Uh, what are uh, I got one last question and then I will let uh, um, I will let them ask any questions they would like to you uh, uh, pertaining to leadership. Uh, what strategies did you learn uh, being a platoon leader in the military that you utilize uh, in business as a leader? Going back to commitment, yeah. consistency I mean, yeah, just,
2: and just about everything, uh, a lot, a lot draws back to that time and that experience. But uh, details matters huge, right? Um, communication obviously is really, really huge in the military. I mean, the reason that we train and do what we do is, you know, in the case that you are, um, you know, like I was in a foreign country and you have a mission and you need to execute on that. Uh, if you get up in order as a, as a leader, um, number one, the people need to tr- be able to trust you and know that they, and be willing to want to follow you. And that's all done through training and how you show up every day. That goes back to that consistency, being consistent. Cause all right, is this someone that I can, that I want, that I will be willing to follow and, and do what he says when all the chips are on the line, the bullets are flying over your head, right? Uh, can, can I trust this guy. And uh, a lot of that happens through who I show up as every single day. Um, the, com- the communication that I have, is it really open communication or is it, well, he says it's open com- lines of communication with every child. Every time I try and talk to him, he's, he's not available, right? Um,
1: common mistake.
2: Yeah. Can, are you, is he connected with his people? Um, you know, discipline, right? The military gives you a kind of discipline. And that's, when we talk about leading yourself. There's certain standards in the military. And, and so as a leader, you want to be creating those standards. You want to be the standard in your organization that other, there's a minimum standard. And then there's the standard that we set as leaders. Cause as leaders, we don't just shoot for the minimum. What happens if, um, we are in a real world situation and you're in real estate and, and everything, a deal starts to fall apart and you're getting calls from everybody and, and you're getting people coming at you from all, are you going to wilt in, in, to that pressure? Are you going to be able to stand in the fire and, and be able to calmly um, take on whatever it is that's going on, take a step back, take a deep breath and, and still be able to bring that deal back together or whatever, you know, whatever the situation might be. Um, and that all comes through our consistent in how we show up. In one area of our life is how we're going to show up in another. And so, again, consistently, are you doing the things to take care of yourself uh, first so that when you need to lead others, there's a pattern there of them seeing and knowing who you are as a leader?
1: Love that. Um, and I apologize. One last question. Uh, com- uh, common mistakes. What are common mistakes that you see uh, leaders make while they're on the evolution of becoming a better leader
2: yeah this one's come up a bit in some of the conversations I've had with, with some folks and I think a big one is trying to do everything yourself like not entrusting and empowering the team that you have because you have this mentality that like no one can do it better than me right it's it's always a hard one to give give up the reins um, but we see it all the time when when you know, as I'm working with business owners and they come to my event for a week, a lot of these folks, it's the first time they've ever taken time away from their team. Well, now they're forced to allow their team to to do the job that they hired them to do, right? And almost 100% of the time when they get back they're like, oh my God, my team thrived. They did, they did amazing. Like I have an amazing team. Um, I'm like, yeah, and you need to continue to allow them to do the job that you brought them in to do. And so, but I think, you know, early on as a leader it's it's natural for us to you know want to be everywhere at all times and make sure and kind of micromanage people and just know that that's not a great culture and environment where people are going to be allowed to thrive and grow
1: do you think it's time to let them in on the little secret about their final evolution for agents on fire i think so uh, what is it the final evolution before the yacht party uh, for three days is going to be an immersion event with Nate Bailey, uh, where he's going to be putting you guys through the, the ringer, per se, uh, for three days straight, and we're going to see who can last and who can't. Oh, that'd be fun. I'm totally. That's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> like, I'm out. That would no, be fun as hell. <laughs> I would love that. But no, we're not doing that. But um uh uh God, we could as much as I'd love to do that. Um uh let's uh let's hop on to any kind of like questions. Does anyone have any questions uh for Nate uh to championship leadership, how you can become a better uh leader within your organization? I do. Kill. Cool. What's you got, uh,
4: Miss Angela? What do you recommend? You know, like I'm looking to hire an assistant um, as a leader when you're, you know, expanding your team. Obviously, you want hardworking people. But what questions do you ask? What do you look for? Any characteristics or anything that you can help during the interview process?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, I really think it comes down to obviously a lot of conversation and, and just questions about, I just like to get to know the person and what that requires, because when you sit down with somebody, especially someone that, that you don't know, and especially somebody that is looking for an opportunity with you, right? A lot of times they're, they're obviously putting on their best, best face, right? We all do. Yeah. And as they should, and uh they're, they're going to try and tell you a lot of things that, They think you want to hear, right? Most likely, Uh, the majority of people will do that. And so it really requires, I would say, just trying to really dig deep with them, like get past a lot of the surface level answers that they're going to give you. Really try to get to a feel for, you know, who this person is and, could I see myself working with them? Would they be, you know, if you have other people on your team, I don't know if you do or not, but if you do, then obviously that's, that's a, a big piece to it too. Will they fit into this? Will they fit into the culture and where I want to go? What's their aspirations? What do they want to do? What do they want to accomplish? Is there room to allow them to grow? Cause you want people mm. who want to grow. Mm. You don't want people that amen. like, oh, I just want this position and that's all I really want. I call it but,
1: I, a ladder to ascension. Yeah. And, Uh, You have to have a ladder of ascension within your organization that allows people uh, to grow within the organization. Yep. And even if,
2: and even if there isn't necessarily that next phase for them to go, maybe number one, but they're an amazing person and they can really do the job at a high level for you. um, Then maybe it's still a great fit, right? They're going to come and they're going to serve you for the purpose you needed them for the time. And then you get to see them go years down the road or whatever and, and flourish and, and turn into the leader that they want. I mean, I think that's awesome as well, but yeah, I mean, it really comes down to what I just talked about. I would really dig deep with them and try to get them to know the real person and who they are, what they want, what drives them, what's, what inspires them. Um And uh
1: how committed they are, how committed how committed are they really, and how consistent are they also uh in their other areas of life, possibly,
2: yep, and we can do that you know I mean you can do that through people you know social media is a great one right' what they're mm-hmm. putting out there lining up with the person that 's sitting in front of you and talking to you right, and not everybody's putting their their not and as they shouldn't necessarily put all their dirty laundry out on social media, but get a good feel. Um, uh,
1: you'll be surprised at what you see, <laughs> I, uh, and I think Mr. Nate is suggesting that uh, per his military terms, do some social media recon yeah, do a little before rec- you hire someone um, because um, I know that's always been a, or not always, it became a part of our our hiring process just like any decent hiring process. You're going to do some research uh, and there are times you'll be amazed at what you find, uh, uh, just personally, and i'm not uh saying for everyone's brand, but you know we did a lot of advertising like on Christian radio, and this one agent in particular uh started doing some research, and there were like very recent photos of you know chugging a bottle of vodka with hardly no clothes on at the late you know uh, that's just what we uh we didn't want that aligning with our our particular brand. Um, uh, you know, we done, we knew that by doing just some, you know, uh, some social media recon.
2: Yeah. Um, one other thing would be, you know, give them a task, give them something, give them a test. And, uh, mm-hmm. again, details matter you know, see, see see how they handle that. I mean, most people nowadays, like they have a hard time following the very simple direction. And I imagine, especially in your industry, details are extremely important. And when you're dealing with, with helping somebody find their dream home or whatever, it might be one of the biggest purchases they're ever going to make. Like there's, and the more regulations that we get every single day that it seems like we're living, right? Like there's a lot of- For an executive
1: admin in real estate in particular, details definitely matter because great salespeople, the greatest, uh, the greater the salespeople that I've experienced through 22 years of 100% commission sales, the greater that they get in sales, usually the less organized they are. So it's what you're basically doing is hiring to your weaknesses uh, some of your weaknesses anyway your weaknesses honestly your strengths honestly should not be that hey I am super duper the most organized person uh out there because it's usually going to your cells um uh, uh, skills is probably lacking uh if so so you're wanting to hire to that and that's exactly what an executive admin is and uh you know they should have high organizational skills that i agree a thousand percent with nate that um uh the details matter you give them that little task or a little what's the word that i'm looking for nate a um uh not role play a uh uh, 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 you long story short, an audition. Yeah. A quick little audition. Hey, here's a, a task for you doing, uh, you know, before you hire them, uh, a thousand percent on making sure that, you know, you guys align. And, um, I also personally believe in, uh, a 90 day, uh, probation period without calling it probation period. Uh, just that way you can see how, you know, after the honeymoon is over, uh, seeing how, you know, your relationship is with each other, see if, you know, they're, uh, you know, truly doing what they said they were doing and what they're committed to doing, uh, while they're in the interview process. Does anybody else have any questions? Comments, concerns, anything that you would like to add on as it pertains to leadership? Yeah, I'd like to
3: add to that. Um, Nate, I got a question for you. You know, you talk about the common mistakes of doing everything yourself. And what happens is when you do that, you kind of become addicted to the minuscule tasks in my mind. And uh, I've been a victim of that. Where I've been defeated even worse is where I would hand those tasks off and I would run into two types of people, okay? I would run into the, the people who like to change the rules, okay? So you would you would sit down with somebody, you would show them how you want to do something, and then all of a sudden, a week or a month or six months later, they're doing it totally different, and they didn't ask or tell you. And, and I've always told people that when employees change the rules, it's just cancerous to the company, okay? I've also run into the other side of the fence where you train people to do something and all of a sudden they just can't seem to remember how you train them. And You keep telling them and you keep telling them and you keep telling them and then it gets to the point where you just got to take it back. So how do you create that layer between yourself and the employee to where you can really trust what you're what you're passing off because that's that's where oh, I've i see several times
2: yeah i mean i it all comes down to some some kind of a, a system of checks and balances right when you got somebody new i mean number one how much training are you giving them how clear how clear are they on your process and system um, there's, there's a good chance that maybe they just didn't completely understand it. They're too embarrassed to say it. And so they go away and they're just doing it the best they can. I don't know. Like also every situation can be really different. So ultimately it comes back to you as the leader, right? Mm. And so, um, you know, what's the system in place that you're checking in on them? And if, if, if you got to continually correct them and, and continually watch over their shoulder because they keep making the same mistakes. Then it's a process of well maybe I just need this person isn't the right fit he's not we got to get somebody else in the book I get it as entrepreneurs because I have a lot of friends and clients in in this situation where one's a a pest control company and they're just dying for people and so what happens they end up hanging on to the people that that just aren't aren't (laughs) aren't cutting their weight but they're better than nothing right well I would argue that they're not better than nothing that that uh you'd be way better off cutting them loose because now they're they are a cancer to the culture because everyone else sees, well, this guy's able to do this and that's not how it's supposed to be done. So maybe I'll just do whatever I want to do, right? So now you got cancer spreading quickly throughout your entire company because you were afraid to get rid of this person because you had this scarcity mindset that you can't go out and find somebody else to do it. Or that you've been there you're too busy because you don't want to take the time to train. I understand those are all real concerns, but you know Again, championship leaders, they are decisive. And if if there's not somebody there that's, that's just simply, truly isn't able to pick it up or is, is just uh, blatantly not doing what you're asking them to do, then they got to go. And you got to find somebody else to fill that hole and maybe pick up the slack until you can, right? Um, but ultimately, it comes down to, like, are you continually communicating with them? Are you continually checking in on them? Um, or somebody else in your team, depending on how big the organization is or how many people, right? If you have mid-level leaders that can do that, now they report to you and you don't have to do all these checks. But there's some system there to do that, to correct, to, to consistently train and give them opportunities to grow. Um, and then in trust, you got to empower them to go out and do it. And then again, but there's still periods of time where you're going to check in to make sure that it's 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 getting done. So...
1: Yeah, yeah I, what, what I'd like to add to that is, and I hope <laughs> It came from Deming and Deming said that uh, if you're having the same problem over and over and it's different people, it's not a people problem. It's a process problem. Uh, It could be a process problem in your hiring process that maybe you're hiring the wrong people. Uh, It could be a problem in uh, your sales training system Uh, because when you're training, uh, not just your sales team, but when you're training people in uh, in general, uh, I think Chet Holmes calls it in the ultimate sales machine, he calls it pig headed discipline that, you know, people, uh, you just have to over and over and over again, uh, train the same thing, like repetitively. Uh, that's why it has to be a duplicable process as well, uh, that you have a manual of, that you also have the policies within there uh, that... Uh, uh, expectations without an agreement is a dream. So it just because you have all these, uh, as we all, uh, as I currently have and have had in the past, uh, we can have expectations in our own minds of what things should be. But if we don't have an agreement uh, in place that we have an agreement between those two parties, the way that things are supposed to be done uh, – uh, it's just a dream. Uh, but I think uh, I think it really boils down to because uh, I have spoken to Kevin more on that. Uh, and I would agree with Nate. I think by one thing, the hiring process, uh, you know, getting really clear on uh, who the right fit is. Uh, but if you're having the same issue where, man, I told him that. Uh, And and I told them that two months ago, I trained them exactly how to do that. And they're not doing it the way that I told uh, that I told them to do it. Uh, It's because you have to constantly circle around and constantly be retraining the whole uh, the same thing over and over again.
4: And and on that note, Jason, I think that that's very true. But sometimes you do get employees that maybe see other opportunities and ways to do things. And you should always be open to that as well. Yes, ma'am.
1: Collaboration's huge. I agree with you a thousand percent. In in that particular... they shouldn't also be doing on... uh, Like, who is... Like, uh, they also shouldn't take it upon their own uh, to... Uh, start implementing what they yeah. haven't spoken yeah. about with the owner of the company, oh, uh, and, uh, them test out their new, what they think is going to work better, uh, than what Kevin does without consulting with him, um, um, prior to doing so.
4: Yeah, when I had new hires, I would always do like a morning huddle, like every morning the first week, and then, you know, kind of gauge on that to see how to follow up for the first few weeks. And then I would still do a morning huddle every every three to four business days. To kind of, yeah,
1: you're always training, always, yeah. and always should be. You should always be growing uh, the people within your organization. Uh, 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 huddles, like uh, Stephanie is saying, uh, one-on-one meetings. There's a, um, uh, you know, I had an agent that was that uh, uh, me and the ex thought that you know, hey, they were they're perfect. They're doing a lot of business and. Uh, uh, they were happy, we thought at the time, and I started having the one-on-one conversations, uh, having one-on-ones with uh, each one of the agents uh, within the organization, and I found out through the very first one-on-one uh, that, hey, I'm not happy. I actually, uh, you know, I've been thinking about quitting because I feel like I'm a peon, which we did not look at her like that, but that was her internal thoughts uh, that if I wouldn't have had that one-on-one with her, uh, that I wouldn't have discovered that and I wouldn't have been able to fix it. And we did. I mean, eight years later, still there. So we'll shoot. Uh, I appreciate your time there, Mr. Nate, uh, and everybody Absolutely. else's time as well. It's uh, valuable you for me. Thank you, brother. Yeah,
2: appreciate thank you. I yeah,
1: appreciate it. Thank you, Nate. Have a
4: great have a good
0: day. night. That's it for this episode of The Ultimate Real Estate Machine. May your real estate machine be extremely rewarding, fulfilling, and life-changing for you and all the people that you impact. Claim those skyrocketing results that you demand from your real estate business. Subscribe to the show for more content like this at Ultimate com, And don't forget to leave a positive rating. Thank you for joining us. See you on the next episode.